Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. What's wrong with being competitive? This is a super common response when coaching someone with a competitive streak. Today, we're going to look at how it can get in the way and what we can do about it. I'm joined by Corinne Cantor. Hi, Dom. And Liana Sangster. Hey, Dom. So what is wrong with being competitive? Why is it so appealing to be competitive in the first place? I don't know that there's anything wrong with wanting to be competitive. That was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek title. And I think, A, we enjoy it. Okay, If you look around us, if you look in Australia, look at the world, there is something so appealing if you look at sports or any endeavour of somebody being at their best, going head-to-head with an individual or team. And the triumph and the glory that comes from, you know, coming first or achieving an end. So I think there's a lot we're conditioned. We grow up knowing that that is valued in society. So I think some of it, the reason we like it is because social status is important. And if you can show that you are ahead of the pack, if you like, then there are rewards for having that status. And and we see that in the accolades that individuals get when they win. We see it in actual physical health results. So there's been a lot of research done that shows that from an evolutionary point of view, people who could, were the strongest or emerge as the leaders of the pack often got the best resources. They got to make the decisions. They got the best mate. And so there is, I think, an aspect that is built into us to want some social status because there is a reward for it. So I think that's one level. The other level is we enjoy it. We perceive that there's a level of fun that winning's can go fun. with it. There is winning's fun and there people talked about healthy competition and there's a point at which, and if you look at the circumplex, what's interesting is we often talk about the satisfaction zone going from nine to three. So everything above that nine to three line is in the satisfaction zone. Now, the interesting thing is that the competitive style and all of perfectionistic is in that satisfaction zone. So what does it mean? It means that we get some level of satisfaction and enjoyment from what essentially are defensive behaviours. And that's because social status matters. We get rewarded for it. There's a level of enjoyment in it. We perceive in the corporate world often that if somebody's hungry for a job, they're competitive, that they'll have more energy, more passion to achieve it. That, of course, is not necessarily true, but that's the perception. It seems to be in popular culture that it's so celebrated, right? Mm. Like You'll hear athletes all the time saying, mm. that's because I'm such a competitor mm. and so on. Mm. Do you think that's a genuine belief or a failure of language? Mm. That's, That's a good question. Really good question. So it, it is interesting the way we apply, how we apply the term competitive. And so there is a finite difference between being a competitive human in terms of I'm competitive in my nature. And then if we look at it from an organizational point of view, being competitive in a marketplace. And we often talk to individuals about that to start differentiating the difference. Often people assume that if you are a sport, a sports athlete, that competitive is a natural I guess people actually refer to it as a personality trait. 
which I don't believe it is. But when we talk to or do the research on athletes, the people that do really well in sport actually are effective through achievement-oriented thinking. And so the difference between those two, achievement is about ongoing learning, cause and effect relationships. If I do this, I get this result. Self-set goals and being able to assess yourself against the goals that you set, knowing when you're doing well. Competitive is, from a circumplex point of view, is as Corinne pointed out, it's a defensive orientation. So if I'm competitive in my thinking, what those individuals might do is constantly compare themselves with others, think in terms of right and wrong, benchmark constantly based on themselves next to other people. And what it actually does, whilst you might get results through competitive, and that's another reason I think that people like it because it motivates when we compare ourselves to others and we, we strive to do better. What it actually also does is it has a, a negative impact on the individual because then they feel somewhat disheartened if they're not better or if they mm. don't win or if they're not right. And it can kind of set up a very polarized view and where you see it in an organizational level where competitiveness is high it can be encouraged because it's all about, let's say, sales environments, winning. But often what you see are peaks and troughs, and that comes from that kind of win-lose mentality. And so if we're not winning at all costs, then we're losing, and then there's a real negative association yeah. to that. So it's a big down. It's a roller coaster. So I think we like it because it's status, it gets rewarded, it can be fun. Mm. But what's wrong mm-hmm. with it, if we go back to the question, is that, A, it can be really seductive because you end up focusing on winning rather than the result and they're not the same thing. Mm. You know, so to be competitive, all I need to do, so competitive in essence is that I'm comparing myself to the other people in the group. To be competitive, all I need to do is to beat Liana. Now, that doesn't mean, so I've won, but it doesn't mean that I've reached my fullest potential. It doesn't mean that I've stretched into the best that I can do, which is the difference with achievement. In achievement, I don't need to beat you. I'm motivated by doing my very best and reaching my highest potential. So I think that that's one thing. It's limiting for the individual because it actually inadvertently what we miss about being competitive, it kind of sets a cap on what you're capable of and what you're prepared to do because you're actually focused on winning, not on achieving your best. So could the difference be that, you know, there might be a situation where I win a race, but it's only because everyone else was performed terribly, right? Yeah. And I perform marginally better yeah. than a terrible yeah. race. Yeah. Right. An achievement person wouldn't actually be happy with that because mm. they would know that actually I'm capable of much, much more. Mm. But the achievement mindset would say I won. And vice versa. The competitive mindset would say I won. Sorry, the competitive mindset would say I won. Vice versa, though, if I was in a race where it was an outstanding field and I performed maybe a personal best, right, the best I've ever performed, an achievement person would be happy with that, but Mm. competitive wouldn't they? Yeah, I think that's right. The achievement, I'm, I'm focused on my own game. I'm focused on personal best. I'm focused on the enjoyment and the satisfaction of my own effort being invested in this endeavor. So maybe you're better than me, maybe not. That is irrelevant to me in achievement. To me, an achievement is about doing my best and getting that done. So I think of it is the quintessential image I have of the difference between achievement and competitive is you've got 
two people running in a race and you know you've got eight people and they're in their lane ways. And so the person who's achievement, largely achievement oriented, will have their eyes forward and they'll be focused on getting to the end. But the person who's competitive is probably going to be looking around and seeing where they're at compared to the people around them. So that's like an image that I always have. I think the other thing with competitive is it really compromises trust. So Mm. at high levels, the need, when you've got somebody who's high competitive, they have a real need to be seen as being better, superior to other people around them. And when you're at that level, it is untenable that people think of you in any other way. And I remember one of my clients, the earliest clients I worked with, the organisation asked me to debrief their LSI. And they had internally accredited people, but he had such strong competitive power, perfectionistic, that were all, I think they were actually all a bit scared. Yeah. And they were worried that they wouldn't really be strong enough in giving the message. So what was interesting to me is I I went to his office and I met with him and he must have been about six foot four or something. He was a big, a tall and a big man. And I'm five foot one and a half. For those of you who don't know me, that half is really important. Um, (laughs) Every half counts. So if you can imagine, picture this, I, he opens the, the door, he welcomes me in. And when he shakes my hand, he is, stands so close to me, he's almost toe to toe. Now, imagine somebody who's about six foot four shaking hands with somebody who's five foot one and standing that close and a half. I had no other choice but to crank my neck back to look at him. That was a power statement. And in the first minute, he told me everything that he achieved, all the status symbols, the fastest to progress in the company. He's going to be number two succession planning to the MD. So this, this went on. So... He, at the time that it came where we looked at his data, he went from that height of, this is everything that I've achieved, I'm really, you know, good. And what somebody who's high and competitive is effectively saying, can you see me? Can you see that I'm good? So when we got to his feedback, he was devastated, devastated, because it wasn't how he saw himself. And he was hurt by the fact that no one had told him before, not given him the feedback. And to give you an example of the roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster, so we'd gone from this pride in his voice. So when he saw the feedback, he went into, I might as well resign. That's it. Well, I'm out of extreme. here. Extreme. Totally. You know, I'm not a winner. I'm a loser. Winners. I'm out of here. You know, avoidance. So it was like, whoa, hang on a second. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's slow down. Let's have a look and understand what this is saying. So I think one of the issues that he was facing into with his peers is when you're high competitive, you're constantly needing to perform to show people you want people to believe that you are good and that you are the best in the room. And sometimes you're willing to go to quite extraordinary lengths to do that. So it might be that I put you down in a public forum so that I look good. I mightn't have intended to hurt you. I wanted to look good, but the outcome is I put you down. I might have embarrassed you. I might have humiliated you. Now, when it comes to our relationship outside of that forum, that trust is gone. 
And so one of the issues with leaders who are competitive at a peer level and even with their direct reports is that I don't know that you've got my back, Mm. okay, pushed into a corner. Are you going to throw me under the bus because it suits your ambition? And that's one of the big issues with competitive. So we Mm. say to leaders and to organisations, compete out there in the marketplace, but don't internally compete with your peers or with your people. Because that's often the basis of silos and so on too because marketing is competing with sales and we're all competing with operations or whatever it is Yeah. because we've got our own objectives and, Mm. you know, I'm going to meet my goal Mm. irrespective of whether it's in the best interest of the company or not. Totally. Yeah, well said. It's the primacy of the individual over the group. Mm. It's so interesting, you know, as you say that, Corinne, and, and to your point as well, Dom, what we actually reward competitive and perfectionistic and so often it comes in correlation with job status and salary. And so what happens is individuals are promoted throughout their career and encouraged to keep using that. And then when you're responsible for a team uh, and you're still displaying those behaviours, what you get are fractions, right? Because it does break down the trust. And so it, it's one of those age-old kind of things we know that organisations are doing. We're promoting those, you know, really the people that stand out, the people that look good, but then we're actually going, well, now you need to shift gears. And you need to display different behaviours if you're going to get the best out of your team. It's so common, isn't it? We we actually promote these behaviours. And look, the guy that we talked about was really successful, right? He had all these status things and, and so on. Often with these styles too, there's there's a personal cost to it, right? Mm. So competitive people are often burnt out. Or mm. I know I've had my struggles with the competitive style. Mm. And I find it can steal the joy from activities, right? Because instead of having fun, you're competing with a friend or a family member or whoever, and it's it's so stupid. It's over something that doesn't matter at all, right? But for some reason, you feel like you have to win. You know, it's the game of Monopoly at Christmas or something, you know, like who cares, (laughs) right? But But I think that what it comes from, and if if you've got perfectionistic and competitive together, you've got a double whammy uh, because there's the anxiety to be good enough, you know, and that is a a burden because it eats away your, your mind. But... I reminded me something when you said about the the game at at Christmas time. So you get caught on, you get hooked in by the potential of winning and the glory that comes from that. And how competitive approval, they're essentially different ways of getting the same need met. They're both about external validation. And so how that evolved over time is as, as kids, you would have learnt that when I came first in the running 500 metres or 50 metre, then my parents were really excited about that and I got hugs and love and they seemed to really enjoy that. So I make a connection with, okay, if I do it again, I'll get that love. And so as we grow up into adults, what happens is we get a a sense of conditioned self-esteem. It's not necessarily low or no self-esteem, but it becomes conditional on winning, conditional. Um, we're not talking about approval, but on being liked. So, and, but, so with a competitive, I feel like I've got to constantly perform in order for you to have currency in this relationship, to be accepted, to be recognized, to be loved ultimately is why we're doing it. So if we're coaching someone who has a competitive streak or we have it ourselves, what are some tips for things that we could work on to help them 
maybe reorientate from competitive to achievement orientation? It, well, often it depends on the individual, but I'll have a crack at that. I'm thinking about a friend of mine, actually, who is very high competitive, and I relate to the style as well. And one of the triggers, if you like, around, first of all, the need to change, right? Because before you can turn it into action, you need to identify, the self needs to identify what's, so that the, what's in it for me, right? I'm thinking about this particular client who was very high and competitive and it was starting to cause fractions in his relationships and he shared a story with me about how he would, he related to the competitive, he would go home and when he played with his kids, when he was playing cards with his kids, he would not play, have fun, he would play to win to the point where the kids no longer wanted to play with him, right, because they found it really disheartening, they weren't having fun anymore and so he could identify immediately and for him it was around personal, there's a cost, right, and it's the relationships with my kids and so with that particular individual, it was quite a lengthy process, but what related for him was A, the story around where this competitiveness came from, so understanding where that came from. But the item I mentioned earlier around constantly comparing self with others, when asked the question about that, of that individual, you know, what are you saying to yourself by constantly comparing yourself to others? People high on competitive will very quickly be able to articulate to you well, I'm saying I'm not good enough. And so in that instance, actually, what we were shifting to was more of a self-actualization in terms of getting that person clearer about what is their unique, what's unique to them? What is it that makes them special? What, is, what are their core strengths? How can they, f- and then focus their attention and self-setting goals, shifting to achievement that they can self-regulate, right? So we, we interrupt we try to interrupt that thinking when we go to comparing ourselves to others and we reorient towards what is the goal for me? What does good look like to me? What am I striving for? And it's habitual t- change in thinking for that individual in that instance. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I think that the key point here is to understand that competitive at its height is in a sense antisocial, whereas achievement is prosocial. Okay, so the difference between the two is that when I'm in competitive, it's either or, it's either you or it's me. Okay, when I'm in achievement, that isn't my goal. My goal might, is much more to be inclusive. It's about you and me. So it's win-win rather than win-lose. Yep. And, you know, how do we win together? Not just win-win, but how do we win together? So I think that's one thing is to understand that at its height, the reason it's defensive is because someone has to lose, whereas, and, and in that sense, it's against a social relationship, whereas achievement's pro-social. And I think what's important with leaders who are competitive, and I think everybody in this room, me included, has an element of competitive. For me, I'm so bad at a lot of sports that I, I'm left, I would prefer to win, but I just have to have fun. You know? So I think that <laughs> So I think for leaders, it's important to understand. And with some leaders, they want the status. You are not going to convince them not to have the status. So I think what you need to do and is work with them in understanding how can you achieve what's important to you actually, okay? Is it to be the dominating person or is it to be the person who achieves the most that is capable and how can I do that with people rather than against them? So I think it's about helping them get clear on what's important. The other thing that I think from a leadership perspective and I guess my challenges to leaders who love high competitive style is that 
competitive will always have you putting your energy and effort in pleasing others or in getting that external validation. What that means as a leader is that your decision-making and problem-solving at some level is influenced by the feedback that you get from other people or the recognition that you get. That is a problem because at some point in leadership, you have to take a stand where either there is not going to be a positive reaction, there's not going to be recognition, or you're alone and you have to be the one to, to stand up and stand forward. So I think the disadvantage to the leader being an effective leader, if there's too much competitive, is it interrupts your ability to make really good decisions based on good data and on what is required versus trying to feed the need for that recognition. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, it got me thinking actually, Corinne, about, to your point earlier, we've mentioned this a few times actually in various podcasts around getting refocused on what the goal is Mm. and what is the best way to do that. And I find that when people get caught up in competitive thinking, that need to win, it happens at sometimes quite an unconscious level and it's influencing that decision-making so much, which I think is what you're getting at there, that you almost need to kind of interrupt. And if I think about that example of that individual with the trying to win against his kid at cards, asking him what is most important about that interaction, what are you trying to achieve out of it, he would actually, if I drill down enough, the goal was actually to spend quality time. And so getting really like reorienting back again, being very clear on what is the outcome, what does good look like, what are we trying to achieve here? Because it's kind of clutter in your head that gets you distracted, that competitive. Mm. I think it limits you, you know, it limits your progress, it limits your ability to move forward because you're creating all these barriers everywhere. And at some point, leaders need their teams, either their peer team or the people who report to them. And if you have got them offside or if they don't feel like they can trust you, you end up isolating yourself Mm. and you're not able to get that cooperation, that support, that sense of I've got people around me who can support me and they've got my back. So I think leaders have got to be really understand that there's a cost to being competitive. Um, One of our colleagues, Matt Crossford, always talks about What's the payoff and what's the trade-off? Mm. There's definitely a payoff. Every behaviour we do serves us in some way. There's a reason why we do it. There's a reason. We're not, mm. we're not idiots. We've lived this long and so there's a reason why we do it. And there are limitations to it as well, payoff and trade-off. The other thing I was going to say about working with competitive is to notice and name, name to tame. So first of all, notice what it is that triggers you to go into a competitive behavior or competitive self-talk. And so you might not change anything at this stage. You're just learning more about what is it that triggers you? What's the situation? Who are the people? What's the environment like that puts you in a state where you feel like you've got to shine above and over everybody else? So the first step is noticing it, then to name it helps you to tame it because you can now work with it. It creates some distance. It's not I'm competitive. It isn't who you are. Mm. It is. There's a part of me that really does all these competitive behaviours. So it's not all of who you are. It's just a part of you and it's about understanding how much of that you want to keep and how much of that you need to change depending on what your goal is. 
and, you know, ultimately who it is that you want to show up in the world being. Absolutely. I think those are some great tips. As someone who has, you know, had my run-ins with this style myself, I think those are some great tips. So if I, if I just run over them again, first is that need for awareness, mm. right? So we've got to have a felt need for change. And, and part of that is, you know, this whole what's the downside of it? And that, as Matt talks about, there's a payoff and a trade-off. So we do these behaviors because they give us some kind of benefit, but there's a downside where you have the game of cards against our kids where we're you know, thrashing them and they don't <laughs> want to play anymore. You know, But that's a personal trade-off, and it's often in our personal life where these problems mm. actually occur. The other is to focus on our core strengths. And so it's really looking internally and not looking, seeking that external validation of we're a winner and therefore we get showered with uh, praise. But actually looking inside ourselves and saying, okay, what are my core strengths and what's actually important to me? Going back, what's the goal? So what do we actually want to do? Is it about all about just winning or do we actually have some goals about performance, a performance level that we want to attain? And finally was around triggers. So noticing what our triggers are. So what gets us into that competitive mindset, being able to name it, to tame it, and then being aware that it's not who we are it's just a piece of us so it's just a behavior and we can we know we can change behaviors if we just examine our uh, values and beliefs so it's not it's not set in stone it's something we can work on we can change i think that's fantastic advice guys if you've got a question around the competitive style and you struggle with it we'd love to answer it so you can email us in at podcast at human-synergistics.com.au we'd love to answer it that's probably worth mentioning, Dom, that we've got a lot of resources on our website. So if people aren't familiar with Competitive, you can hop on our website and there's lots of resources to help you understand what we mean when we talk about Competitive. And we've got some videos as well with leaders talking about their journey from shifting their Competitive to being more achievement-oriented. Absolutely. We'll have those all up on the podcast page. Thanks for your time today, guys. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, Dom.